This is Jeff Deist, and you're listening to the Human Action Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to the Human Action Podcast. It's so great to be joined by all of you. This is the show where we read and study and try to encourage you to read and study books. And if you've been following along, we have been working our way through Rothbard's Ethics of Liberty, which is really his normative treatise and a tour de force on the uh, ethical or normative underpinnings of a laissez-faire society. And you may recall that we've had some great luminaries. We've had Dr. Walter Block. We've had Stephen Kinsella. We've had Ryan McMakin. And this week, to finish up our look at the book, we're very, very fortunate to be joined by Dr. Roberta Mudugno, who is live tonight in Rome joining us. She is a professor at uh, University of Roma Tre, which is actually right there in Rome itself. And more importantly, she's the editor and author of a great book called Rothbard versus the Philosophers, which is a collection of essays uh, that Rothbard wrote mostly for the Volcker Fund that gave some of his inner thoughts on the philosophical influences of Hayek and Mises and Leo Strauss and others. So all that said, Roberta, it's great to talk to you again. It's a pleasure for me. It's a pleasure for me, too. Well, I'm not sure everyone knows, but you're actually a senior fellow with the Mises Institute. You've been involved with us for a long time. Uh, yes, yes, I did. Uh, the first time I came to the Mises Institute was uh, in 1998. And the first uh, two person I met uh, on the shuttle between uh, Atlanta Airport and Auburn were uh, Joe Salerno and David Gordon. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were very curious about me, uh, a young scholar who was uh, studying uh, Rothbard. So uh, they wanted to chat uh, with me. They were uh, curious, but I was uh, very tired because uh, of the long journey. So <laughs> I wanted yeah. just to sleep. <laughs> right. Well, I know the story because you wrote an article about it. I know how you, as a young scholar in the 1990s, came to learn about Rothbard, but why don't you tell our listeners how you found out about Rothbard? Oh, okay. Um, I received a fellowship by the Italian Center for Research to make research at the Firestone um, Library in uh, Princeton University. And my topic mm -hmm. was uh, the feminist movement, the American feminist movement of the 19th century. But when I arrived at the Firestone Library, I discovered a book by Karen Vaughan called uh, Austrian Economics in America. Mm -hmm. And I found the uh, the name of Mary Rothbard and a brief summary of his ideas. So I was so fascinated and I, I was so curious that I searched for uh, Rothbard's book and I began to read uh, For a New Liberty, the Libertarian Manifesto and the Ethics of Liberty. At that point, when I came back to Rome, uh, I wrote a book on Rothbard and not on the American feminist movement of the 19th century. 
my professor was very angry, of course, with me, but um, it didn't matter to me. I did it and I succeed. <laughs> well, having gone through a lot of Murray's Volcker Fund memos, it's interesting to me this uh, contentious issue he has with Mises over, of course, utilitarianism. And he's writing The Ethics of Liberty really in the early to mid-70s. So what do you think about this where, where Rothbard says, well, Mises wants to just view this as terms of pure causality, that an economist can't really say whether a particular policy is good or bad. They can just say whether or not uh, it'll help the uh, policymakers achieve their ends. So talk a little bit about Murray's trouble with utilitarianism. Yes. Also in the fifth part of the ethics of liberty, uh, the part uh, dedicated to the strategy to establish a libertarian society, Rothbard uh, criticizes those intellectuals who want to defend freedom from a an utilitarian perspective. On the other side, Rothbard uh, wanted to found an ethic of liberty. Rothbard wants to restore values and political ethic to the study of politics, while historicism and relativism led to the impossibility of making judgments of binding value for the individual, affirming that values are subjective and that can change with the times would make it impossible to pronounce any judgment on political regimes. Mm -hmm. uh, Rothbard particularly underlines the scholastic Thomist and Aristotelian Christian roots of the Lockean doctrine of natural rights. So we can examine a little bit the scholastic notion of a rational foundation of ethics, the Aristotelian Thomist notion. Each living being has his own nature and his own end. The nature of the human being is that of living and flourishing. So the natural end of each human being is living and flourishing. But in order to live and flourish, each individual must be free and needs property rights. So life, freedom and property rights become values for each individual. Um, in order to live and flourish, Rothbard finds an enrichment in Locke's individualism of modern natural rights theory. Mm -hmm. Well, human nature consists in living and flourishing through production and exchange. And Rothbard refers to a precise tradition. In fact, Locke was a Protestant, but through Richard Hooker, 
He was a Protestant scholastic, <laughs> heavily influenced by Grotrus, who in, in turn was heavily influenced by the late Spanish Catholic scholastic. But Rothbard underlines the enrichment brought by the levelers and Locke in terms of individualism. Uh, the levelers and Locke transform classical natural law into a theory grounded on methodological and political individualism. Mm -hmm. Moreover, Rothbard's position is particularly original for two reasons. First, because from the concept of, of self-ownership, he deduced the axiom of non-aggression, which he views as a clarification of the classic triad of the natural rights of life, liberty, and property. Mm -hmm. Second, because of the extreme conclusions that Rothbard arise at regarding natural law and the role of the state. In fact, Rothbard wants to establish an objective ethics which affirms the overriding value of liberty and morally condemns all form of statism. I know I am conscious that the topic of the rational foundation of ethics and absolute values, it is a very controversial topic. Sure. But I am not referring to a naive way of founding values on human nature. I'm definitely convinced that at least a minimum basis of common nature shared by all human beings does exist. Otherwise, anything goes, as Woody Allen used <laughs> to say. But in the real world, is not that way. It is not that way. I don't believe in anything goes. Because in this way, it is not possible to theoretically defend the basic human rights. And uh, moreover, also some uh, uh, modern branches of neurosciences recognize at least a basis of human nature shared by all human beings. And a rational foundation of ethics is the only way we have to defend our Western civilization against multiculturalism and against the collapse of human ethics and freedom. That is to say, the extinction of our Western civilization. Hmm. Well, you know what's interesting, Roberta, is this book is considered radical and it's considered to be Rothbard's original or, or we might say neo-conception of a libertarian ethics in the 70s when he's writing it. But as you point out, he's going back to the levelers. He's going back to the Spanish scholastics. He's going back to Aquinas. He's going back to Locke. He's not making this up on his own. Yes, he refers to, to a very ancient tradition, but enriching this tradition with his own perspective, the non-aggression action, action 
enriching uh, this tradition, establishing an absolute value to not be aggressed, an absolute right of the individual uh, to not be aggressed, uh, neither by the state, of course. And do you, do you generally agree with Rothbard in the thesis? Yes, I think this thesis uh, is still valid today. Okay. Yes. So you bring up the latter part of the book where he offers what, uh, you know, part five of the book toward a theory of strategy for liberty. So this seems to come up again and again. In, in the uh, 60s, he writes a memo to the Volcker Fund on strategy. In the 70s, he has his uh, essay in For a New Liberty on strategy. And then in the mid-70s, he has his essay in this book. So he, he seems to keep coming back to strategy. Yeah. And in all cases, he seems to, he says, you know, gradualism in theory is a bad idea. So talk about that. Yes, he is radical. He is radical because uh, he doesn't believe in gradualism. To Rothbard, it is very important uh, to stay consistent. And uh, to Rothbard, uh, we don't have to be corrupted by compromises and gradualism in order to pursue our career. But of course, this isn't easy. This isn't an easy task, especially in the past. Now we have institutions such as the Mises Institute dedicated to the education of young generation of libertarian scholars who will enter prestigious university to teach. And uh, I think, uh, I am convinced that such integrity can be better guaranteed only with the creation of a group of academics large enough to help young libertarian scholars in their career. Uh, anyway, um, I would like to um, underlie that an important part of Rothbardian strategy uh, from a practical standpoint uh, of Rothbardian strategy in order to develop and establishing a libertarian society was uh, um, the search of alliances. Mm-hmm. He wrote this uh, in a paper I, he wrote in 1961. Uh, he wrote uh, another paper in 1965. Uh, so um, he has always uh, been in search of aliens. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, during the years at the University, Rothbard was a young man of the old right. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning of the Cold War, the old right began to lose its influence. So young Rothbard began to feel more and more isolated. The conservative have adopted the Wilsonian doctrine, the idea that the U.S. had a special task to make the world a safe place for democracy. 
during the years of the Cold War, conservative abandoned the idea of non-intervention in foreign affairs and supported a big warfare state, the perpetual war for perpetual peace. So uh, the National Review, which was the magazine of the rightist conservative, began to expel from the group the intellectuals who didn't accept the new ideas of the right. And the first to be excommunicated was Rothbard, of course. So Rothbard during the 60s, the 70s, and the beginning of the 80s, trying to find other allied in order to promote the libertarian cause. So he tried to find allied among young leftists, at least on some topics. But with the end of the Cold War, Rothbard finally was able to come back home and to ally with the old right conservative again. So I am convinced that today libertarians should ally not with the left, but with conservative on the right side of the political spectrum. But I think that they have to ally with a special kind of conservative, uh, exactly those conservatives who inherited the true ideals of the old right, the ideals by Albert J. Nock, uh, Henry Louis Mencken, that is to say free market, capitalism, faith in private property, non-interventionism on the side of foreign politics, for instance. Well, unfortunately, there's not a ton of them on the right these days, but I think we're making inroads. And I wanted to ask you what you think of Rothbard's idea that there needs to be a professional cadre of libertarians, just like there are people who promote Buddhism, just like there are professional physicists who take the theories of physics and and popularize them and create a field of them. Do you agree that we need, I guess, for lack of a better term, professional libertarians? This is uh, something to do with uh, his uh, cultural strategy. And Yes, I agree with the idea that we need professional libertarians. Of course, uh, I have an example. Um, In Italy, the Gramscian theory of cultural hegemony worked really very, very well for socialism. Could it be able to apply the same uh, strategy the the same theory uh, to libertarianism, uh, we will uh, surely succeed. But I think this is Mm -hmm. a joke. Uh, This is mainly a joke. Yeah, well, we'd like to have have, uh, more Italian sports cars and less Gramsci, (laughs) right? Uh, But but there's this this distinction here where where, uh, Friedrich Hayek, whom you discuss in your book, Rothbard versus the Philosophers, has a, a strategy or an idea uh, which, which I guess we could call top-down 
from intellectuals and academics down, mm-hmm. uh, where Rothbard develops a bottom-up strategy where we need sort of right populism to uh, to promote things. So we're, there's still that tension, I think, today. Mm, I don't think it is uh, this kind of tension today. Uh, I mean, I think Rothbard, as Rothbard did, I believe in the power of education of young generations, especially. I I don't think we can talk of populism when we examine Rothbardian strategy. I mean, libertarians and Rothbard himself was concerned about the well-being of each human being, of each individual. I don't think this is populism. Of course, uh, he was worried about uh, the middle class, but uh, uh, his concern was a better life, a better standard of life, for everybody and uh, capitalism free market society is the only way to achieve a better standard better standard of living for everybody so i uh, i don't think we can talk uh, of populism when uh, we talk about uh, Rothbardian idea. So do you think Rothbard's strategy against gradualism and for radicalism, do you think that is still the way forward today? Mm, I'm not that sure. I'm not that sure. Of course, um, I believe that we must stay consistent. We don't have to compromise. So I agree that this is something still valid today. But I um, believe, uh, first of all, I believe in the power of education of young generations. So it is important to have professors who spread the culture of liberty in high schools and in universities. Now I remember a famous example of pressing a button and eliminating the state. Okay, I, I, I would press that button. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we, we can do that. We, I don't think that button exists. So we need people who spread the culture of liberty in high schools, in the university. I am convinced of the importance of the work the Mises Institute is doing in educating young people uh, who, as I said, will enter to teach in prestigious university in Italy, for example, the Bruno Leone Institute is accomplishing a, a similar task. Rothbard himself writes that the world, at least in the long run, is governed by ideas. And I agree with Rothbard 
we must remain consistent with the libertarian principles, but at the same time, we have to, we need to enter in the official institutions to change things as they are now. This is what I'm trying to do with my students, to educate them to a culture of liberty. So we don't have to be corrupted by compromises, but at the same time, I, have com I am convinced that such integrity can be guaranteed only with the creation of a group of academics, uh, of a large group of academics, of professional libertarian, uh, able to help young libertarian scholars in their career in every field of culture, of course, not only in economics, but in sociology, history, and so on. So at Roma University, Trey, are you able to introduce Rothbard to your own students, undergraduates? Yes. Yes, I did. I was able to introduce Rothbard, not only Rothbard, of course, I introduced the entire Austrian School of Economics. First, uh, the classical liberalism uh, of the Austrian School of Economics, and then I introduced uh, the more radical version, uh, that is to say libertarianism, uh, Rothbard's libertarianism. And I gave my students uh, to read uh, a book by Rothbard to read. And this book mm -hmm. is uh, The Ethics of Liberty. In my course, uh, I have adopted uh, a book I published recently, uh, a book I published recently of course, in Italian, on democracy. And uh, in this book, I try to uh, follow the uh, criticism, the classical criticism of democracy we can find inside the libertarian tradition, beginning from the uh, old right, beginning from Albert J. Nock and Henry Louis Mencken and arriving to uh, Rothbard, uh, Hoppe, Anthony de Jose, Pascal Salen, because I mean, we are growing, uh, so we have more and more libertarian intellectuals in, in academics. Well, I hope so. <laughs> and I introduced Rothbard not only in, in my undergraduate course, which is History of Political Thought, but I gave PhD thesis on libertarianism. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I assign a, um, a PhD uh, dissertation on uh, libertarianism. So uh, I'm trying to do my best. <laughs> so do you agree generally that we should view liberalism as a political doctrine, which is to say a, a moral doctrine, a doctrine with an ethical component? Because it feels like Mises shied away from that. Uh, yes, I think it is important to maintain uh, this idea that libertarianism is uh, an ethical doctrine. I am convinced uh, about this. 
And I think that young people, what I can see among my students uh, is that they are much more fascinated when I talk about Rothbard, when I talk about libertarianism as an ethical doctrine with a moral basis, than when I talk about utilitarianism. Mm -hmm. Do you think the intellectual atmosphere in Italy is better today than 30 years ago? Uh, yes, then 30 years ago, but I mean, Italy is not America, it's not the United States. We had really to struggle very, very hard simply in order to introduce classical liberalism. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the Italian Communist Party was the strongest Communist Party of the Western world. And so we really, um, especially the generation of academics uh, before my generation had really to struggle very, very hard. I mean, uh, this is the reason why I think uh, the, the cultural, our cultural mission is so important. But Yes, now the cultural environment, uh, it is better than 30 years ago. 30 years ago, we were really very, very few to study uh, Rothbard and uh, um, free market society and uh, uh, the Austrian School of Economics and libertarianism. Do you feel like the influence of the Catholic Church in Italy is is uh, diminished and is the Catholic Church, is is that influence left wing on economics? It depends. In last years uh, with the new Pope, with uh, Francis Pope, yes, of course, the Catholic Church uh, with our Pope influenced uh, Italian politics uh, toward, uh, in a, from a leftist perspective. I mean, uh, we have previous uh, Pope who weren't uh, against uh, free market and capitalism. But this one is uh, definitely for uh, socialism. I mean, uh, we must uh, admit it. I'm afraid. As a Catholic, I'm afraid, but uh, I must admit it. Well, let's just say he's a disaster. Yeah. Um, but I want to ask you one final question because I know you're an animal lover. I know you have pets. Yes, I do. <laughs> I, I, I want to know what you think. There's just a li- tiny little two-page chapter on animal rights in the, in this book, in The Ethics of Liberty. And I discussed it a couple weeks back with Ryan McMakin, but I'd like to get your closing thoughts on that, on animal rights and Rothbard. Uh, I think that animals... Uh, can have their rights recognized only from a perspective of property rights. I mean, my pet has his own rights to life and liberty, but this depends 
on property rights. I mean, I think that rights of animals descends from um, human property rights. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can buy farm and uh, save all the animals uh, you want uh, uh, from being killed and uh, eaten. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I agree with Rothbard that rights of animals uh, mm, descends from uh, property, human property rights, uh, the property rights uh, of individuals. Well, I agree with you, Roberta. I agree with Rothbard, but I also know that we both think that you should be kind to animals, <laughs> that any yes. kind of decent human is yes. kind to yes. all living creatures, let's just say. Of course. Um, of course. You, you, we should be kind with animals. I respect animals, people who commit cruelty against animals. I mean, I feel... This is something immoral. Uh, yes. I I don't uh, I don't I don't like this kind of people. Of course, uh, uh, unfortunately, they exist. But I think that we should be kind with animals and uh, with all human beings. Uh, also, with uh, those human beings uh, who don't uh, think, uh, uh, who don't share. Uh, our ideas. But in Italy, it seems that in order to be kind and uh, well-mannered, uh, we need laws. I mean, uh, uh, Italian parliament is passing laws in order to be kind uh, on Facebook, in order to don't say bad words on Facebook. I mean, uh, I have been educated by my parents uh, to behave well and to be kind with people. I don't need uh, a law by the state to be kind, uh, especially because uh, this is not the task of the state, uh, making us kind people. Well, I couldn't agree more. Our guest is Dr. Roberta Modugno. She is a professor at the University of Roma Tre in Rome. Uh, I'm going to uh, post a link with the show to her book, Rothbard versus the Philosophers, and also to an article she wrote for Mises.org called How I Discovered Murray Rothbard. Uh, I encourage all of you, if you haven't had a chance yet, to finish or even start The Ethics of Liberty to do so. It's a book that's going to pay dividends, uh, agree or disagree. And I want to thank you, Roberta, for your time today, and I hope all of our listeners have a great weekend. The Human Action Podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and on Mises.org. Subscribe to get new episodes every week and find more content like this on Mises.org.